there, banana grabbers. Welcome to How Much Could a Banana Cost? And today we are going to get salty. Ooh. Today we're going to talk about salt. Nice. This topic really interested me because it's an everyday item that you never think about, but it's so essential to living. I mean, can you imagine living without salt? Everything would be sweet. All you'd eat is candy all day. (laughs) (laughs) On a more serious note, though, without salt, we would probably get water poisoning. I don't even know. Is that a thing? (laughs) I think that is a thing. I've had alcohol poisoning. (laughs) Can you have it with water? That's definitely a known thing. (laughs) There was this incident where there was like a radio show contest. I don't know if you've heard of this. The Nintendo Wii. Was it the Nintendo Wii where... You had to hold your pee in. And, and somebody died? Chug water, yeah. Oh, somebody chugged water with it too? I think he, like who drinks the most water oh. like wins the contest, but this person drank so much water that there was an imbalance of water and salt Oh, in their body. That's a thing? That is a thing. With dogs, for instance, like this is what I found out is a dog could be playing fetch in the water in a lake, for instance, and then they'd be totally fine. But then hours later, they would fall ill. And get sick because they had so much water intake. What? And because if it's it's fresh water, there's no salt in it. Yeah. I've never heard of this. So I didn't mean to start off this episode with a morbid note. Watch out for your dog. They might die. <laughs> but I wanted to just illustrate kind of how important salt is. It's pretty interesting. And that's why we're talking about salt today. And what we have in our hands. And so today for our featured drink slash featured cocktail we have the classic you know salt rimmed margarita strawberry it's not a classic margarita well classic margarita i was gonna say we put a twist to it so i need to talk about the twist twist is this strawberry (laughs) (laughs) well the branding is supposed to be smoky strawberry margarita because instead of tequila we used mezcal Mm. so watch out for the recipe in our instagram but Cheers. I haven't actually tasted it yet. Cheers. And let's see how this is. Hmm. It was pretty good, actually. Let's go with the salt. Yeah, I really mm. liked it. I do like the salt. Nice. What's the difference between margarita salt and other salt? Margarita salt is more expensive. Does it come from a different salt mine? <laughs> no, it's just branded that way. <laughs> These are more drinks with salt rimmed. That seems like it's a margarita only thing, huh? Like, what if you were, like, I'm going to have, like, a, what about, like, a rum and Coke? Because it's sweet. hmm And you want to mix a little salt. What if you had a salt-rimmed rum and Coke? I bet you it would be pretty good. I think that would be easy to try. It might taste terrible. It might not taste terrible. It might be good. Because you put, like, salt on a mango, and it's good, right? You think, like, I don't know about it. It might be good. Well, maybe we'll have some sort of experiment, and we'll get back to you. Yeah. On it. Speaking of alcohol poisoning, I'll try out a bunch of different choices. <laughs> water poisoning. What was it? Water poisoning? Yeah, you could get water poisoning. That's Look the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, so you have to balance out your salt and water intake. Among other things, if you lack salt, we're going to talk about it later, but, you know, it's it's not going to be good for your body. I don't think salt. I'd ever be in any danger of getting water poisoning. All I eat is salt. I put salt on everything. <laughs> I over-salt stuff. Is that bad if you over-salt things? Yeah, because you have to have, like, a certain, like, sodium intake per day, right? And if you oversalt things, it's probably going to be bad for your kidney stones, right? Isn't that where you, like... Knock on wood, I haven't had them yet. <laughs> I'm dehyd- I live on dehydration. I like, I, you know, I run, I run lean. I run in the desert. I'm like a camel. <laughs> Were you just going to say you like dehydration? <laughs> I mean, I don't mind being dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> so I never get water poisoning. I get salt poisoning. Can you get that? Can you oversalt? I'm pretty sure you can get well, salt poisoning. You can't drink ocean water because of that, right? Yeah, because you're going to get dehydrated. Well, cats can. Can cats? Cats can drink ocean water. Oh. I saw on the internet. I might not be right. That might be Facebook. Fake news. <laughs> no, fake news. Did you also hear that Bill Gates is putting 5G chips in the vaccine? <laughs> okay. I saw that at the same time. Circle as back. Circle back <laughs> to the kidding. salt. So salt was a founding contributor to the development of civilization because guess what? Of its ability to preserve food and 
you know, like, sustain humans. Make it jerky. For a right? while. Yeah. That's what they well, do. Is it, is it salt? Yeah, because think about it. Like before refrigerators were invented, how did you think people keep their food from going bad? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, nowadays, people would go to the grocery stores and shop for like two weeks worth of food. Yeah. Right. They would stock up, especially during the pandemic. They would just kind of cocoon and stock up on whatever they can get. Mm hmm. Back then, without canned goods, right? Like canning wasn't invented until later, uh, without refrigeration. So people just bought fewer perishables. Mm. So they go to the butcher or the fishmonger. <laughs> monger. Love a monger. Cheesemonger. Whenever, on the day that they needed to cook the food. The item. On the day that they needed the item. And they don't really shop for the whole week. This is also why milkmen existed in the past. Mm. because you don't really buy milk for a week because it would just go bad. The milkman comes and brings you your milk for the day. Weird. Yeah. That's all you would have. Is it? Yeah. So that's why. Was this truck refrigerated? They don't think? exist anymore. No, because refrigeration didn't exist. They just bring in hot milk? No, what that's they did disgusting. have. disgusting. What they did have was they did have the capacity to make ice oh. or harvest ice. Yeah. And so they would have ice boxes. So like the normal folks would have ice boxes and the very rich folks would have ice houses that were underground. Oh. And in some areas of the country where it gets really cold in the winter when it gets to freezing. They get permafrost. Below freezing temperature. They could store things underground or under the well. Like they would keep it on the well so that it stays cold overnight. Oh, that makes sense. But other than that, there was no other way to preserve food than basically pickling, brining, using salt, right? Yeah, uh, right? All sugar was pretty much like how they would preserve food. And so... Wait, sugar preserves too? Yeah, sugar preserves food as well. That's why you have the sweet pickling oh, too. Interesting. So spices in general. That's why they were so valuable. And that's why expeditions were commissioned in search for these valuable goods. What do you think if they made a third? I mean, there's like obviously like star anise and it's like crazy. You know, there's good spices, but like <laughs> salt and sugar. What if there was like one more that you never heard of that was like the same, like on the same level? Like today? Yeah. Like what if they discovered it? They were like, somebody went to Antarctica and they're like, guess what we found? And there was like some new thing. Wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah, that would be crazy. And I can't even imagine what that is. Cause it would like, like hit your taste buds. You're like, what was that? We braided no the, it's crack. <laughs> Sprinkles of crack. Sprinkles of crack. So according to A History of Agriculture and Prices in England mm -hmm. by Thorold Rogers, a book a long, long time ago. Oh, was he British? That doesn't sound like a British name. <laughs> people <laughs> used almost 60 pounds of salt each year just for the brines of vegetables or meat. Jeez. Yeah. So, so it, everything tasted like a pickle back then, huh? So in the medieval times, people probably didn't salt their dishes because it was salty to begin with. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine. And most recipes call for boiling to make savory soups, taking advantage of the salt that's already Oh, in like the in ingredient. the broth, yeah. Yeah, so they didn't have to salt anything. Wealthy people had way more salt, so a bishop from the 14th century kept 1.4 tons of salt at his manor house for around 25 people, which is twice as much as the normal consumption. And that dude wasn't getting kidney stones? <laughs> that, well, dude, that dude was like water poisoning come knows, at me. Maybe he didn't live long enough to develop <laughs> kidney stones. I mean, we're talking about like the medieval times. So salt created and destroyed empires via Solara, which is basically uh, translates to salt road, was a trade route from Rome to Porto di Ascoli on the Adriatic coast, which was 150 miles. And so this road kind of went through salt producing areas mm. and then went to areas that didn't have much salt. Okay. Speaking of salt producing areas, where do you, like, how do you get it? Is it a mine? Yes. There could be salt mines. You can get it from the ocean. That would make sense, right? Mm -hmm. You figure you're just like, oh, I'll just like take ocean water and let it like dry out. Yeah. And just like. So basically salt. anywhere where salty water could evaporate or if they can't, you have to put together the tools and the system and the processes to evaporate it so that only the salt is left. Hmm. And some people use boiling methods and whatnot. Hmm. Um, there was a, and it also varies on the type of salt, like. 
even now, right? Like you have different types of salt used for different things. What's your favorite salt? If you could only have salt. one salt left. If I can only have one salt. I think the Hawaiian salt. Like the, like the rock the salt? The rock salt. Yeah, the core salt. salt. I think I'll take, I'll take the rock salt too. <laughs> but in, in Poland, there was a salt mine that led to a vast kingdom in the 16th century. But then the Germans showed up with their sea salt, like more <laughs> fine salt, and I'm not even kidding, destroyed that kingdom. Like, you tried this? <laughs> <laughs> it demolished that empire. Uh, Munich, which is like a city in Germany, mm -hmm. was actually formed when Henry the Lion wanted Wait, to- Wait, that was his name? Yeah, that's his name. That's pretty cool. <laughs> he's, not, he's not a lion, he's a man. He's not a lion. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to expand his power in Bavaria and gain control of the salt trade. Because uh, they have pretzels there. Which was under the Catholic Church at the time. Right? Yeah, Bavarian they pretzels? pretzels. They must have been doing that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're doing it for a long time. Oh, man. Imagine a salt without, or a pretzel without salt. Exactly. What would life be? <laughs> That's why salt is very important. And then salt tax, which we will talk about later <laughs> on, led to revolutions and wars, and with salt, it's, salt itself being a major factor in outcomes of these wars. Really? Yes. So salt played a big, big role in history. One of those things where, like, say the world ended tomorrow, but you lived. Uh-huh. Salt would be one of those things you would think about, and you'd be like, where the hell do you get salt? Exactly. Right? Like, what is, what? I need that. Well, but, you can pan right? for salt, but nobody knows how to do it anymore right because it's all in the I wouldn't know where to get it. Like, if all the salt in the world disappeared, I wouldn't know how to go. Like, I'd be like, where's the nearest salt mine? I have no, <laughs> I don't know how to get this. Well, you just go to the ocean and boil some. Uh, yeah, you go to the boil ocean. Boil some water. Water. And then it would evaporate and the crystals will show up. Be like, I can't get water poisoning. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing. I'm going to keep bringing that up because I can't believe it's a real thing. It's a real thing. I mean, look it up. But before we kind of dive into all of that history, mm -hmm. let's, let's kind of go back, well, go into the present times and talk about the price of salt, right? Yeah. Salt varies a lot in terms of cost, but it pretty much is all the same. It makes your food. Salty. <laughs> yeah. It gives taste to your food. Yeah. So can you guess how much a 26-ounce can of salt is? 26 ounces is what, like two pounds? Oh, 26 is ounce is one and a half pounds. One and a half pounds. About of, one and a half pounds. Of what salt? Of salt. Uh, let's say iodized salt. I don't know what that is. The What's umbrella iodized? girl. Oh, yeah. the umbrella girl. The oh, umbrella it'd girl. be like two bucks. Okay, yeah. So it's about $1.19. Okay. But if we talk about like the Himalayan salt, for instance, yeah, I like that one. or the Hawaiian salt. That's probably like 10 bucks, right? For the same amount? Oh, no, actually $16. Oh. So I have a, a list of, of different salts here that I've kind of researched in the market. Mm -hmm. So a Morton iodized salt, which is the Umbrella Girl. Yeah, the Umbrella Girl salt. Why is that one always the, is it that's like the go-to? The go it's always been the same. It's been like that like paper can for as long as I can remember. It's like a little spout like a little metal spout you had to pick out and it was always like the same it was like a dollar or two right it's yeah like super cheap yeah so that when it rains it pours that's what it says yes exactly so that specific salt brand has been around for a long time the origin of when it rains it pours because now when 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 you hear when it rains it pours what do you think about i usually think when it was like you get one email, you get 30 emails. You're like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> people, right? When it was like, like something bad happens, it was like, it just piles on. You're yeah. like, come on. That's, that's kind of the general understanding of yeah. what it is. But that was actually a slogan of Morton Salt Company that was part of an advertising campaign to show or to kind of let consumers know that their salt will still pour well in the rain. So when it's raining outside and there are damp conditions, before they develop this quote-unquote technology, uh -huh. salt gets caked and then it doesn't pour as easily or as efficiently. Oh, it like clumps up? Yeah, it clumps up. <laughs> and so they added magnesium carbonate to their salt so that it pours freely even if, it, if the conditions of the weather or the climate changes. Was that a saying before that? Or? No. They, they, they literally came up with a slogan. They came up with that slogan and people, and people turn into a negative thing afterwards. But it was like, <laughs> yeah. geez, when it rains, it pours. Like a lot of like angry people today. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. And you kind of think about the umbrella. Is that like, why you would get salty? Uh, maybe. That's we, a weird thing, right? If you're like angry, you're salty. Yeah, you're salty. Is it because when it rains, it pours? <laughs> when it rains, it pours. Maybe people got, maybe people like 
wasn't used to it because they were they were used to the caking, right? Mm. And so they would keep like they would and heavy, like dump, like dump a, a bunch of salt, and then they would get mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> Morton's like, this isn't what we intended. <laughs> but the umbrella girl. I don't know if you've ever looked closely at that logo, but it's raining. She's holding an umbrella. And as she's walking, she's pouring salt all over the the road or where she's walking oh, okay. to illustrate that when it rains, it pours, essentially. But iodized salt. So you hear about like iodized salt, yeah. kosher salt, like all Yeah, is that like uh, blessed by a rabbi? <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I don't know. So let's talk about iodized salt. So iodine is basically very important for you. Why do they put it like on, like is that yellow stuff they like put on your skin like if you get hurt, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What is is iodine? So uh, iodine is good for your thyroid, which then helps your metabolism, your heart health. And it's also really good for pregnant women for bone and brain development of the fetus. Mm. Um, And it removes toxins. Mm. And so before this... I wouldn't say trend, but now like iodized salt is just like everywhere, right? Like you see it everywhere. It's kind of a staple. And it's like regular salt. Nobody really questions it. Yeah, you think it's regular salt, but it's never actually been that way the entire time. Worldwide, there was an iodine deficiency that affected about 2 billion people around the world. And it was the leading preventable cause of intellectual and developmental disability. Jeez, there's a bunch of like poor boned morons around because they weren't eating their salt. (laughs) Yeah, because they had iodine deficiency and people don't really normally get iodine, right? So does it only come from salt? Where does it come from in the world? So salt is iodized. Oh, they added to it. So they added it to it. Governments around the world recognize this iodine deficiency and it's like, well, wait a minute. Everybody eats salt. Mm. And so it would be the easiest, lowest hanging fruit so it's like they're putting uh, fluoride in the water. Because they're like, everybody drinks water. Yeah. 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 Actually, a study in 2017 found that the introduction of iodized salt in the 1920s raised the IQ for one quarter of the population most deficient in iodine. Wow. So it had a significant kind of impact um, to people's IQ just by iodizing the salt. So the more salty snacks you eat, the smarter you are. <laughs> Eat a lot of Pringles, a potato chips. <laughs> well, You're going to be a genius. I think at some point it levels out, right? Like, <laughs> it it kind of levels out. In the Philippines, actually, they had this act called Act for Salt Iodization Nationwide mm-hmm. Act that they enacted. They had act twice in the act? <laughs> yes. Were, were they <laughs> low in iodine before like, <laughs> Oh, wait, no, no, no. They only have one. Okay. Sorry, that was my mistake. <laughs> it's Act for Salt Iodization Nationwide, and it was enacted in 1995. They named it as such because the acronym spelled out to ASIN, uh-huh. which is the Tagalog of salt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the act actually required the addition of iodine to all salt intended for animal and human consumption. Animals do? Yeah. Like, we don't want no dumb dogs. <laughs> Which was good for the general population. But ever since it was enacted, the salt makers in the Philippines actually lost business. They gave up on the trade. It, it used to be a very kind of lucrative. Were they like sea salt guys? Artisan trade yeah, where they would make specialized salt based on their cultures and history. Mm. But because of this act where they had to put iodine, like they couldn't keep up. Yeah. And now it's kind of. You know, just left to the industrialized companies. When it rains, it pours. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the iodized salt. Mm-hmm. Now you've heard about co- coarse kosher salt as well. You've seen this in in grocery stores yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So kosher salt is usually non-iodized. Is that a Jewish thing? Well, it's called kosher salt not because it's blessed by a rabbi. Uh huh. But the size of the crystals is ideal for drawing out moisture from meat making it perfect for use in the koshering process. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Yeah. That makes more sense than I was like, what's the, they're like, <laughs> is this kosher salt? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also did not know the difference uh, until I looked into it. Yeah. Now you also have all these, you've, you've heard of Himalayan, like the, that's the pink one, the pink salt. Yeah. What is and that? Is it actually from Himalaya? Well, it's, it's from, it's, it's rock salt from the Punjab region of, Pakistan, oh, which okay. is in the foothills of the Himalayas, yeah. so it is actually from there. Okay, but it's actually ninety-eight percent table salt. It's like not that special. 
the rest are trace minerals such as potassium, magnesium, and calcium, which kind of makes up that pink coloring. Yeah. And it's up to 20 times more expensive than table salt because of the marketing costs. Because of the marketing costs, it adds up to the expenses. Yeah, it's hype. And people are like, oh, yeah, this has like like health, you know. Yeah, healing properties. Healing properties, but it's actually not ever been proven. That's stupid. Even the Himalayan salt lamps and all that kind of promise that, but it's like never been proven. It's just like a huge, you know, salt rock. <laughs> it looks pretty. It does. We have a salt lamp. Uh-huh. But it doesn't. Oh, actually, speaking of dogs, some dogs actually got ill from licking the salt lamps. <laughs> really? Like too much salt. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So you got to be careful with it. So if they go into the lake, have them lick the salt lamp afterwards. <laughs> Even it out. <laughs> Somewhere in between. Yeah. So when I was reading into different kinds of salt, I actually came across one of the most, if not the most expensive salt around. Is it Salt Bay's personal stash? No. <laughs> What's the Salt Bay use, do you think? The one that drips down his elbow? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he just uses Morton salt because he's cheap AF from what I've heard. But it's called Nine Times Roasted Bamboo Salt. That's the mm-hmm. actual name. So Bamboo salt? Yeah, nine times roasted bamboo salt. And it goes for $100 for an 8.5-ounce jar. What? So this nine times roasted bamboo salt is made in Korea. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they roast sea salt inside bamboo at over 800 degrees Celsius. So they pack the bamboo with salt. Like a bamboo? Like a bamboo pipe. Mm -hmm. And then they roast it for, well, 800 degrees Celsius. That's 1,400 degree Fahrenheit for 12 to 14 hours. And they do that nine times. What? So they repeat the process all over again. So once they roast the bamboo. How's the bamboo pipe last for that long in that heat? Well, the the thing is it it disintegrates. Like the bamboo disintegrates every single time. They they have to do the process again. Yeah. So they have to like chip away, break it up, pack it back in, and then roast it back. For 12 to 14 hours. So this whole process takes about a month to about 50 days. Is how much money? It's $100 for eight and a half ounces. And the ninth and last roast is the hottest at over a thousand degrees Celsius. Jesus. Yeah. And it's it's, it's expensive because it's so... It's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah it's a lot of work. Why uh, does it taste better if it... Do they, do they just burn it over and over again? <laughs> It's just, I would imagine it just tastes like burnt. Well, apparently the minerals from the bamboo get infused into the salt. And so imagine doing it like nine times, I guess. I don't know if it necessarily tastes better, but it certainly is one what of the more What would you put it on? Where did they put it on? Oh, I didn't know. I don't, I didn't look that far ahead. So, but yeah, it's one of the more expensive ones you can buy. There's also a Filipino made rare salt. That's made from soaking coconut husks in seawater for six months and then burning it into ashes. Mm. Then they pour sea uh, water into ashes and then the brine is boiled into clay pots in a furnace. So the resulting product looks like a dino egg that's being peeled away. Oh, wow. Yeah, it looks really interesting. It's called Asin Tibuok and it's made in certain parts of the Philippines, but it's actually considered an endangered heritage food because. The people who make this are passing and like nobody to, not learning. bringing it this history down to yeah. teach how to do it. Like nobody is learning this, you know, with the younger generations, right? Because it's not a lucrative. You don't make money from it, essentially. Can we do this on TikTok? <laughs> but it costs $150. I'll show you a photo of it and let me know what you think it looks like. Oh, it looks like a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a dino egg, right? Like it looks like a dino egg that's been peeled away, essentially. Yeah. It looks, it looks like a, what's it called? Like a, like a stage prop dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look real. It almost doesn't look real. Yeah. Um, but it's called Asin Tibuok. That's what it's called. If you want to Google it. Let me go. I'm like. trying it out. Yeah. I think you can actually order it here, but like the sites that I've seen are a little bit sketchy. <laughs> so I don't know. Send a bullet buying box to the Philippines and be like, send me one of these dino eggs back. <laughs> Get that salt. That's big. That looks big, though. That would last you a long time, I think. I eat a lot of salt, and that would last a long time. Yeah, I mean, they usually give it this novelty because, like, where would you store it? <laughs> like, where would you place it? How would you break off the salt? Yeah, how would you break it off? Husk? I think I would just have it on display. It looks cool. Yeah. So now I want to dive into the cost of salt over time. Okay. So Jeez. you've kind of heard 
phrases such as worth your salt. I've never heard the phrase worth your salt. You oh, worth is weight in salt, I've heard. You've never heard of the phrase worth your salt? Worth your salt? No, I've heard worth its weight in salt. Okay, wor- worth its weight in salt. Yeah. I've never Who says heard- worth your salt? I've, I've definitely heard of <laughs> worth your salt. Worth your salt. Make sure you're worth your salt. People say that? Who says that? Like people. Who are people? From I where? Know. Country. Like old people, I guess. Old people. I've never heard. It. I've met old people. They don't say worth your salt. They they are worth their salt. <laughs> anyway, worth its weight in salt. Worth I've heard that. Salt. I've heard that. So you've you've that comes actually from the Roman times because salt was so useful and was so valuable to them. Greek slave traders actually used to trade slaves for salt. Because it was so, super like, that's valuable. <laughs> that's all I'm worth? <laughs> a little bit of salt? Come on. The word salad actually translates to salted leaves. Because if you think about it, you're just giving the leaves some flavors. Yeah, you really are. And salary also comes from... Celery? Salary. Oh, sal- <laughs> <laughs> salary, yes. Comes from salt. Did he get paid in salt? Well, that was a myth, actually. So there is this pervasive myth among, you know, casual historians, maybe, that uh, Roman soldiers were paid in salt. Mm-hmm. Um, but salt actually wasn't expensive during the Roman Empire. Mm. It is a myth. So about two pounds of salt cost the same as wheat or lentils at the time. So two pounds of salt cost about seven denarii. And a common worker did 50 denarii a day. Oh, okay. So it wasn't really that expensive. Yeah, so you could buy, you know, the first two hours of his day, you could go buy a whole bag of salt. Yeah. However, if you think about the Roman Empire, they had access to a lot of salt production, like regions. Yeah, the sea and Salt-producing yeah. regions. So in the past, the salt prices varied a lot based on the distance it took to transport them. Well, that makes sense. And taxes. So the highest prices were from regions that are farthest from the salt production areas. So for instance... In a place like Sweden, at one point, salt cost 10 times the price of wheat. Oh, wow. Because it was so expensive and bulky to transport. Like, there's no other way. Right? Yeah, you just like drag it. Yeah, <laughs> you just drag it. In American history, salt has been a major factor in the outcomes of wars. American history? Yes. So during the Revolutionary War, loyalists actually intercepted Patriot sh- salt shipments in an attempt to interfere with their ability to preserve food. Mm. you're basically as good your army is as good as how much food you have and how much food you have is determined by how you preserve it how you preserve it which is basically by salt again there were no there was no such thing as canning or tinning at that point and so curing meat was pretty much the only way i still think it's interesting that you could cure meat i guess you're kind of right like with sugar you kind of do the same thing with sugar yeah but it would just be like I mean, it would still have some salt. It would still have some salt in it. <laughs> but yeah, it would just be like... Do you, like think you, do you think you preserved with like MSG crystals, like a piece of meat, and it would be salty and sugary? Do you think it would be so good? But like... What do you think? Have you ever, has anybody tried that? I'm pretty sure a lot of the jerky that we eat oh, it's have probably MSG. MSG. Yeah, it's probably MSG. Yeah. During the War of 1812, salt brine was used to pay American soldiers in the field because the government was too broke. Salary. Saltery. Yeah. Assault. That's that's what I told you earlier. What? The word salary. Yeah, that's you said. That, yeah, that's, oh, how yeah. I was, that's how I was coming. I was bringing it back. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was invented during the Roman times. Oh. But yeah, but they did it in the war. Not during the Revolutionary War. But yes. They did pay soldiers with salt brine because the government was too broke. Do you think the Confederates didn't have iodized salt? That's why they were stupid. <laughs> yeah, they, they, there definitely was no iodized salt at that point. Well, we're <laughs> seceding. <laughs> Got our soft bones and our smooth brains. So I, I always hear the term Lewis and Clark. I didn't know that they were like expeditionists. Yeah, they were the people who went like to California. Yeah, like they basically set out for Louisiana Territory. And, Did yeah. one of them marry Sacagawea? No, no, no. They met Sacagawea and her husband, who was like a French, col- col- you know, colonizer or whatever. Or maybe British. Wait, so they went and they were traveling unknown territory and they met some guy from France. Yeah, <laughs> they hung out. Dude, they're like, 
how did you get out here? <laughs> You're from France. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I got it. So well, I, I never thought about that. Yeah. So before Lewis and Clark set out for the Louisiana Territory, the president at the time, Jefferson, in his address to Congress, mentioned a mountain of salt 180 miles long and 45 wide. Oh, they talk about Utah? <laughs> well, near the Missouri River, which would have been of inconceivable value. So that was kind of part of his address to Congress, where it's like, this is part of the expedition, is they're going to find a salt mine. Wow. Essentially, like that's how important it was. During the American Civil War, salt continued to be a crucial resource for Americans. So both for preserving food and carrying leather. Because mm. they needed those for clothing and protection and all that. Yeah. Or saddles and stuff. Or saddles. So without salt, it was challenging to feed the army, um, which is vital to success in battle. As we're seeing it being played out now, right? If you don't have proper food and rationing. Yeah. Oh, they're all getting water poisoning. <laughs> soldiers would just <laughs> give up. Yeah. In Georgia, the price of salt actually depended on your family's circumstances. So you can purchase a half bushel of salt for $2.50. But if a widow had a son in the Confederate Army, the price was only a dollar. If the widow's husband had served his nation, the price was free. Mm. So it was kind of a... Incentive. Status symbol. Oh, or like, kind of like a purple heart medal <laughs> at the time. Let <laughs> me get my bushel of salt. My husband died, but three bushels of salt? Come on. You can actually only kind of get away from being drafted by being a salt maker mm. during that time. That was It was that important. And because there was such a sh shortage. You wear your tuxedo, the salt mine, like, sir, listen, I don't have to go to war. <laughs> I'm a salt maker. <laughs> There were, because there was a shortage, some families actually acquired salt by boiling the dirt where they had previously cured meats. Oh, like, like get, try and get the salt out to of get the soil? The, yeah, get back the salt. Mm. Why would they just boil ocean water? Mud pits and stuff. They're in Georgia. There's an ocean. There's the coastal. Come on. Yeah, well, probably it's hard for them to get around because there is a war. And so a big, big thing in the history of salt and its cost is the salt tax which I have never heard or thought about until I researched this episode. Yeah. Is that still going on today? Not so much anymore. So salt tax apparently led to revolutions and wars because salt was a necessity of life. The salt tax had a broad base. Everybody uses salt. Everybody consumes salt. And so everybody is affected by this tax. Yeah. Not just certain people. And even if you set it at a low rate, it could still be one of the most important revenue generating activities of a government. Yeah, everybody's using salt. Everybody has to pay it. This is like gas now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for instance, in China, mm -hmm. basically the first state to ever monopolize any item ever. Salt plays a key role in their society and culture. Mm -hmm. And it's actually described as one of the seven necessities of life. Wow. Yeah. I mean, most Chinese food salty is good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like salt, but yeah, you're right. Like they, yeah. And it's, they're heavy handed with it. And it's one of the five flavors forming cosmological basis of Chinese cuisine. Oh, the so, five spice? Is it part of five spice? No, not necessarily that. Oh. So the five flavors uh, basically correspond to how your body reacts to the flavors. So the five flavors are acrid slash pungent. So that would be kind of like, like fish sauce. Your fish sauce or like, you know, I guess, like the 100-year-old. Yeah, like something like, like <laughs> sour. Like, yeah, like pungent sour. Uh, you have bitter, sweet, sour, salty. Those are the five flavors. And each one kind of evokes a response from bitter the body. Bitter and sour are, are kind of... No, bitter is different than sour. Bitter is different than sour, but like, interesting, right? Yeah. Because then you notice, right, if you eat like like acrid or pungent food, it, it evokes a response biologically, and that's part of like their herbal, you know, medicinal kind of culture or beliefs. And yeah, and it is also one of the seven necessities of life. So it's salt, firewood, rice, oil, sauce, vinegar, and tea. Whoa. Yeah, which I agree with the rice for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so. Firewood. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, heat. You need the heat. You need heat to live. Salt has effectively been monopolized by the Chinese government since 119 BC. Jeez. 
And it was taxed even long before that. So they thought about different forms of taxation to fund their expansion plans, right? Because all governments before then were all about exploring, fighting wars, conquering, discovering, etc. Anything yeah. to expand their land. And they thought about the different ways to gain revenue. And they believe that it's more profitable and popular to tax whatever was like being items. consumed every day. Yeah. So part of it is salt, iron, for instance, because it's essential to living and people can't avoid it. Revenues from salt tax were used to fund their expansionist policies and even funded some parts of the Great Wall of China. Wow. So are poor people back then like, I guess I'll just eat bland food. I have no, <laughs> no salt my French fries. Well, we'll get to that <laughs> later. By the third to fifth century, salt accounted for 80 to 90% of state revenues in some kingdoms that were established. And in the 700s, Salt tax revenue was easily half of the, the overall kingdom's total revenue. Jeez, like the global GDP? For China. Oh, for China. Yeah. Still, the geez. But still, yeah. There is a thing called Gabelle in France, mm -hmm. or there was a thing called Gabelle in France. So it was a very unpopular salt tax that was established in the 14th century. Mm -hmm. And it actually lasted until 1946 when the Nazis fell. Yeah. yeah. So Gabelle, similar to the Chinese concept of taxing salt, it was an indirect tax that was applied specifically to salt from the 14th century onwards. So the French crown had a state monopoly on the production and sale of salt, and it was a very profitable revenue generator that funded their wars. Oh, okay. And so the, the motivation behind all these salt taxes was always like, how do we fund our, our militaries yeah. and wars? So not only were they taxing salt, so let's say they would add like a 50% tax in the cost of salt. Yeah. They were imposing a minimum amount of salt that citizens above eight years old need to buy on a weekly basis. So you couldn't even just be like, no, I'll have my food a little bland. They're like, nope. No, you, you got to buy it. You, you have to buy, buy a minimum amount of salt every week. Jeez. For every member of your family above eight. Jeez. And another catch, it's like kind of a, a double whammy. It's illegal to use that salt for curing meat for making salted products you can only make it with an incremental purchase of the salt above the minimum and so if you use that salt for making salted products you would get fined imprisoned or if you were a repeat offender you would be punished to death hey you you cure me with this salt listen i got so you keep making me buy it i don't know what to do i don't know what to do with it they you actually, better put it in your meals. You better get kidney stones. I don't care. Like, how would they know, right? Like, they were, they probably just had... Just dump it in the river. <laughs> Maybe everybody would just start dumping it in the ocean, and the ocean was actually fresh water at one point. <laughs> and then China was like, shh. And they're like, why is the ocean so salty all of a sudden? When it rains, it pours. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that why Chinese food in general is... is it is salty. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's, like, yeah. very, like, sodium-heavy, which I like. I love salt dishes. Yeah. But maybe that's why, because it was, like... Kind of influenced the cuisine. Yeah, because it was, like, we, we got so much, we are like, excess, like, we well, have to Well, now we're talking salt. about France. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, the they they salt their butter. <laughs> yeah. They right? Do. Yeah. It's also flavorful. Yeah. <laughs> but, and so, in France, during that time, there were about five regions and they all had different taxation system so <clears throat> there was a lot of variance in how salt was taxed and how salt was consumed in those different regions and the disparity was so large that 100 pounds of salt in one region can cost 20 times higher than another region i guess just transportation and stuff right transportation the different agreements that they had with the kingdom at that point like there was a region where like a long time before that they implemented Gabel. This is a pepper region. <laughs> <laughs> they agreed with the K that they're just going to pay a lump sum so that they can get away from like any future taxes. And they were short-sighted of the king, right? Because yeah. he was like, sure. Yeah. He doesn't care about the future, you know, yeah. empire or whatever. But there was like such a variance into taxation and the cost of salt that there was a lot of smuggling happening, as you can imagine. Because if salt was so cheap in one region... The people yeah, who would just live buy there, it and smuggle it. Yeah, they would just sell it for still a high price, but not as high as also people who couldn't eat all their salt. Amount. Imagine going, imagine getting put to death because you were like, I couldn't eat all my salt. <laughs> I, 
I'm on it. My, my doctor says I have high cholesterol. I can't. <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> Die? <laughs> I'll just uh, smuggle it into this cheaper region. You don't have to eat it. You just kind of have to buy it and figure it out. Yeah, I guess you could just dump it into the ocean, which that's why the ocean is salty. <laughs> that's your that's your belief. My conclusion your is hypothesis. <laughs> the ocean is salty. Take away from this. <laughs> uh, so in the 1700s, there was a river that separated the regions of Brittany and Anjou, mm-hmm. where the salt prices were like 500 times difference almost which was crazy. Jeez. And so there was a lot of smuggling happening and over 3,000 soldiers were stationed there so that they can kind of like guard prevented? the place. Yeah. Jeez. And, you know, it got so bad that kind of led the way to the French Revolution because the essence of the French Revolution was that they felt that there was so much inequality between the peasants and the noblemen and, you know, all of these taxes were hurting, just like today, just like the current the times, people. hurting like the poor people a lot more because they spend a lot more of their money on essentials Yeah. than the noblemen who, you know, it doesn't really matter to them if they pay 10 cents more or whatnot. It's true. It's like gas. Yeah, Right? Exactly. Like, you know, gas goes up a dollar. Yeah. You know, rich people, it doesn't matter. Poor people was like, come on, man. Yeah. And on top of that, there was a lot of corruption and... They, peasants, just like today, if you're just like, you know, a lowly worker or whatever, you can't really get away from your taxes and the billionaires have all these loopholes available to them. And so the exact same thing was happening then. And by the end of the 18th century, about 3,000 citizens were actually being imprisoned, sent to the galleys or put to death for crimes against the gabelle. Jeez. So all the while, all the religious people, noblemen, high-ranking officials were exempt from the Gabelle or paid much lower taxes. And so that led to, well, eventually all of these events, including that, led to the French Revolution. So it paid a big part in that. Wow. Another place where it led to, well, some sort of revolution, but it's more of a riot. There's actually this riot called Moscow Salt Riots. Jeez. In 1648. So it was... Almost the exact same situation. The townspeople were upset at the current state of affairs. There was a lot of inequality between the peasants or the serfs versus the noblemen. They called the boyars. Serfs. Yeah, serfs kind of like they're slaves to their landlords, essentially, oh. right? They were the, the feudal system. Uh, there was a lot of widespread corruption. And the tipping point of the riot was there was an increase in salt tax that was being imposed on them. And people hated it because at the time, salted fish was a big part of the Russian diet. Mm. And so the rebels burned between 15,000 to 24,000 houses, and between 1,700 and 2,000 people died in the riot. Jeez. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And guess what happened? After that, they kind of went back to the status quo anyway. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, all right, we'll just forgive and forget because some people were granted, they kind of, what they did was a divide and conquer tactic yeah. with the peasants. And so eventually there were two groups and one was more favored than the other and then helped the government kind of yeah. quell all the, the riots. Yeah. Speaking of riots, and the last one I'll talk about in terms of taxation is the taxation of salt in India. This is com- completely different because while there was civil disobedience, it was peaceful. And it was actually led by no other than... Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi. About salt. About salt. You think like I ate a lot of salt? He was so gaunt, right? He was so <laughs> lean. Mm-hmm. He couldn't have had much body fat or had much like sodium in his body. He had no bloat. He was, he was all bloat. Well, maybe after I tell you the story, you'll understand why he was frail thin. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1882, Britain passed an act that enforced their monopoly on the production and sale of salt in India. Mm-hmm. So even... The salt was being produced in India because it was kind of one of the largest productions at the time. Indian people had to pay a tax to the British people to the British people eat their own salt to eat their own salt. And so that's where like all the spices come from is India. Yeah, exactly. And so it was messed up because they were in everybody's pockets at the yeah. time, and this led to an increase in diseases. And Gandhi even theorized that it could be could have been a leading cause to an increase in leprosy in India. No, oh. because 
if you're poor, you just can't afford it yeah. at some point. And yes. then so you're lacking all the nutrients that is essential that you can get from salt. So in 1930, Gandhi, along with 78 followers, they went on um, this peaceful civil disobedience march. It's called a Satyagraha. Mm-hmm. And the march was called a Salt March or the Gandhi March. And so they went from Sabarmati Ashram to Dandi on the Arabian Sea coast, which was a distance of about 240 miles. Okay, that's pretty far. Yes. And so this lasted about a month. So they reached the coast and his main purpose was to make salt. So he decided that, you know what? Fuck it. We'll break British law. I'm going to make some goddamn salt. Or out of the ocean itself. Out of the ocean itself. And so he arrived there, he went to the ocean, and then he picked up a handful of salt, proclaiming that it was the end of the British Empire. So remember he started with 78 people? Mm-hmm. By the time he got there and he was like grabbing the salt, there were thousands of people who have followed him because the press just kind of sensationalized the whole story and it was widespread across the world. And so what, when they were doing this, there was like an American journalist who recorded the set of events, and that prompted an international outcry against British policy in India. Wow. And that eventually led to India winning its independence in 1947. Because Gandhi made a name for himself, and the British people were like, fuck, like, he's a force that, you know, can't be reckoned with. You can't stop him. And so they had to have have talks with him because there was an international outcry. And eventually... India gained its independence in 1947. I actually didn't realize that it was... That recent. That recent. I know, me too. Yeah. I was like, I had to take a double Over Gandhi and salt. I I knew Gandhi was famous. I didn't realize he was the guy who, like, made them independent. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, that's why he's famous. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't realize that. (laughs) But he's all about the peaceful disobedience. Kind of like uh, Martin Luther King. Yeah. Yeah. Gandhi's like, I'm going to make my own salt. (laughs) Essentially, he was like, what is the most ridiculous way to break the law? Right. Yeah. They There's were all arrested too. Like they got arrested and then because there was such press around it, millions of people around India started doing the same thing. And that's why they couldn't stop it. Yeah. At so, that point. Well, yeah, now we're gonna do about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of led to like the fall of their hold over India. Which was really interesting. It was interesting. Yeah. So salt played such a major part in the world's history. As I said, it could be a maker and breaker of civilizations and empires crazy of all spices mm-hmm. india gained their independence over salt <laughs> right because it was like they got some good ones there yeah well because everybody uses salt everybody uses salt everybody can relate to salt like if you are from i don't know georgia and you start talking about star anise or cardamom like georgia the country or yeah, georgia the state the state yes yeah. yeah they would be like what what, what is the heck? <laughs> anyway, I guess anywhere you go in the entire world, salt. Yes, exactly. If there could only be one spice. Is it a spice? Is it considered a spice? Yeah. I would say it's a spice. Yeah, it's a spice. It's an element. <laughs> but it's essential to living. As the Chinese yeah. have said. Yeah. <laughs> so can you think of another very important use of salt? That's not for culinary purposes. Mm. Margarita glasses. Okay, margarita. <laughs> <laughs> not for culinary reasons. Uh-huh. What you use salt for. Especially during the winter. Oh, salting the roads. Yes. Road salt. Yeah, why are they doing that? Because... Uh, it just ruins your car, though. Well, salt has been used to de-ice roads since the 1930s in this country. And it's basically what happens is it kind of helps melt salt or like not turn water into ice mm. because it kind of increases the temperature oh, okay. of it. But it also like ruins, it like turns metal into rust instantly. Exactly. And beyond that, there are actually hidden costs when it comes to road salt. Yeah. So kind of moving away from, you know, the culinary uses and like, Nutritional can you eat road salt? Is it a different salt? I, if you want to, I guess you can. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it is a different salt. Is it a different salt? Okay. It's, it's, it's kind of the same salt, but it's not refined for culinary purposes. Okay. Right? Like dirt and stuff on <clears> it. 
Yeah, and it's just mine. Mine dust. <laughs> <laughs> of all the salt consumed in the United States, about forty percent is actually used for highway de-icing. Oh, I would totally imagine. Yeah, and they dump that everywhere in the East Coast. Everywhere, and it's used across the country. Actually, tripled in the past fifty years. So, more than twenty million metric tons of salt are poured on U.S. roads every winter. Jeez. And that costs about, so the, the cost of salt alone, the rock salt for the icing, is about $2.3 billion. Jeez. Because, I mean, Just think about product, it. yeah. Think about it. And it's about $70 per ton. I can't believe it's only $70 a ton. I guess at, like, raw base. But still, like, that seems cheap for what a, a physical ton looks like. Yeah. Yeah, it is cheap. And that's why you probably don't want to eat it because yeah. <laughs> it's probably not meant for yeah. consumption. But... What you don't kind of think about is as snow and ice melts on the roads, the salt washes into freshwater lakes and streams into the soil and sometimes even contaminates drinking water like reservoir and, and wells. Oh, yeah. So it's actually been dangerous to wildlife in I'd freshwater imagine. ecosystems and, you know, could be toxic to fish, bugs, amphibians. And even beyond that, you talk about like rusts in cars, but rusts in bridges and oh, yeah. other infrastructure is also a big part of the problem. Yeah. Um, so all this corrosion costs about $5 billion in annual repairs. So yeah, twice as much as what they're spending yeah. on the salt itself Just as the damage it does. Yeah. So it's really hard to get away from because it does make the roads safer. It's a little sand. A little sand is not great either, but a little sand does... A half-decent job. Yes. So that is part of the alternative solutions that, you know, people are proposing so that we kind of get away from using so much salt in our roads. Yeah. Because you still want roads essentially to be drivable, right? Yeah, exactly. I think be before the, well, capitalism, because before this, people just didn't drive yeah. <laughs> the road. Like, it was just too dangerous. Yeah. You just don't go. But now it's kind of like a way of life to still, you know, be able to get around. But man, I, I mean, honestly, when I lived on the East Coast... Nothing was worse than being behind a salt truck. First off, it'll crack your windshield. And second, I was like, bro, the undercarriage of my car, I'd have to get it like cleaned. Yeah. I don't want rust in my car. Yeah. And every car, like, remember we went to uh, Cape Cod? Mm hmm. You not see the, even the license plates had like rust dripping off of the yeah, license. It was of, like, Jesus. Of all the salt. All yeah. the salt in the air, too, because I guess Cape mm. Cod, but still, like. Yeah, exactly. So part of the alternative solutions that the people have been proposing are like sand. Like a mixture of yeah. sand and salt. But you could also use salt brine. So you know how you brine a turkey? Like just use the leftovers? No, it's kind of like the leftovers, but... Everybody, everybody sends their turkey bags full of brine to... <laughs> you gotta make a salt brine solution uh -huh. and you apply it before the storm. Oh, and so it's so like already built, like already... Built in. Brined. <laughs> the yeah. road is brined. Kind of pickled. Yeah. Pickle the road. So that caused, that's a 75% reduction in the amount of salt used. Yeah. On the roads. And there's actually a county in Wisconsin, Jefferson County, that's been able to cut salt use by 60% since they implemented this. And they haven't had any more accidents on the road. Oh, yeah. This is the old pickle road. <laughs> and they saved about uh, $1.6 million in the process. Yeah. So okay. why not? Right? Yeah. So. That's kind of all the uses of salt that I have. <laughs> but I do have some, like, fun things here. I love that. That was very interesting. Because who would have thought, right? Right. Like, yeah, you would never think about it. I like salt on, you know, food, obviously. We have different salts. Like, we got the finishing salt. We got the margarita salt. We got the rock salt. Mm -hmm. Or the, what's that called? The Hawaiian salt. Mm -hmm. We got when it A rains. Course. We got, what is it, rains it pours? When it rains it pours. Morton salt. Morton salt. We got yeah. all the salts. We got all the salts here. We got Himalayan salt. We got a hot Himalayan salt. Yeah. Yeah. Garlic salt. Garlic salt. Jeez, I love garlic salt. I think we should do a salt tasting. I don't know. Oh, I'd love to taste I all the salt. I think it'd be interesting, right? I want that $100 Yeah, we're going to get the bamboo salt. salt. And I want the egg. The coconut salt. What? The coconut hot salt. A sintibuok. Yeah. We're going to get that salt from Utah. That's like $16 for yeah. eight ounces. Yeah. 
and we'll see if it actually tastes any different. Oh, I would love to. I would love to. Yeah. Like there's some like smoked salts and whatnot, but I want like the actual source of it. You know, like I think it would be interesting. I'll put an iodine patch on just because they're not iodized and I might get thyroid problems <laughs> if I don't have my iodine. <laughs> don't they use that when like, remember the Chernobyl show? Remember Chernobyl? Uh-huh. Weren't they like, you need to take your iodine, remember? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. What's that about? Because people need iodine. And that was a thing. That's why they put it on salt. But what about, why why would Chernobyl give you? I guess for your thyroid, I don't know. Issues. I don't know. Maybe you have to rewatch it again. (laughs) What is, uh, remember Russia? Okay, where's... All I remember is when I ever scraped my knee or I had a toothache or whatever else. They would put it on your teeth? Yeah, yeah. My mom would like soak a cotton ball with like betadine. It's called betadine. But it's essentially ID. It's like yellow. And then like have me just place it between my tooth and my cheek. Ugh. It didn't help the pain. No, I don't, I don't know. know what it People- did. I think it's antimicrobial. It's like old people stuff. Yeah. I think it's old people stuff. And it, then, looks, it looks like an old computer. Well, because now you don't have to think about it because it's in salt. Oh, that's says in salt. Essentially, you know. But before the 90s in the Philippines, it wasn't. That's true. That's why they were deficient. Is that the acronym? Yeah, a scene. A scene. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, so I don't, again, I don't know why you need iodine around nuclear stuff. <laughs> But Russia, so also, so Chernobyl sucks. Maybe, is, is, maybe it was Chernobyl, the... Chernobyl's still broken, right? Yeah. And Russia went into Ukraine and they're like, we're taking it. Uh-huh. You think Ukraine is like, I don't, okay. Well. Like, I don't care. Like, all right. Like, don't they... take Kiev. Like, you could have that. I don't care. What are you going to do with it? A maybe, broken reactor? Maybe iodine back then was kind of like the Vicks vapor rub. <laughs> right? Where you kind of just apply it on everything and it would make it better somehow. I think the marketing was really good in the Philippines. For Vicks Vaporub? Yeah, because you guys seem to think it's like a magical <laughs> cure-all. Well, that's what our parents and grandparents think. It's like the salon pass. Anything that's like minty. <laughs> I think it's because it numbs the pain. And so somehow it makes it feel better. So, But to be honest, burns, scrapes, it does make it feel better. Because it, it numbs the pain. And you don't have to think about it. Yes, but is it like a petroleum product? Is it? It's like a like no, vaseline What do you think Vicks Vapor Rub is? Vicks? Is this mint-flavored Vaseline? <laughs> Vicks Vapor Rub is a mentholated topical ointment. That is? Intended for use on chest, back, and throat for cough suppression. And, wow, in German-speaking countries, it's sold under the name Wick Vaporub. <laughs> Wick. <laughs> oh, because Vix, when pronounced in German, would sound similar to the vulgar word Fick. What is Fick? <laughs> Probably like fuck. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the ingredients is camphor, eucalyptus oil, and menthol. There you go. Yeah, I thought it was like made out of like petroleum products. No, that's Vaseline, I think. Camphor is used for its scent as an embalming fluid, a topical medication, manufacturing chemical, and a religious ceremony. Jeez, an embalming fluid that they're putting on you? <laughs> Big vapor up. They're like, yeah, it was die a little early, but you'll feel better. This podcast is not sponsored by Vic. <laughs> vapor up. That's kind of funny about the German name. It is funny. So. Let's end it with some fun stuff. Okay. Salt, idioms, and phrases. Okay. So we talked about worth your weight in salt slash worth your salt. Never heard worth your salt. (laughs) Think you're just making that one up. When it rains and pours, what else can you think of? How about a joke? Okay. There are two pretzels walking down the street. Uh Uh-huh. One was assaulted. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) By Bill Cosby. Come on. Nobody said that. Come, Come on. on. Where'd you get that from? <laughs> Your brain. <laughs> Decrepit. No, I'm talking about salt idioms and phrases. Like, take it with a... Grain of salt. Grain of salt. Yeah. So, that actually came from... Or the you didn't look up somebody being salty, though, if you're talking about... Something being salty? Like, somebody 
a person is salty, they're Well, I upset. can explain that because when they're salty or when they're upset, they're crying and tears are salty. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I feel like that could be it. <laughs> you could have just lied to me and said, that is it. I've been like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I understand. Uh, grain of salt. So take something with a grain of salt. So the origin could have been in Pliny the Elder's Naturalist Historia. Pliny the Elder? Pliny the Elder. Isn't it a beer? Yes, but it's actually a philosopher. There's a philosopher named Pliny the Elder? Pliny the Elder. And there was a Pliny the Younger. They're both beers. Yes. And that's where they came, they, it came from. Pliny, so Pliny the Elder was an author slash philosopher. And Pliny the Younger might have just been a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> he had a recipe for an antidote to a poison where one of the ingredients was a grain of salt. Oh. And so take it with a grain of salt. Who's, what type of poison? Who's poisoning people about that? I guess a lot of people poison each other. Yeah, it was like common. So threats involving the poison were thus to be taken with a grain of salt oh. and therefore less seriously. Mm. It's essentially where it comes from. Interesting. Okay. So I was like, where, where does it so come from? So take like the antidote with a grain of salt. That's kind of like take something with a grain of salt. Like, oh, okay, you can yeah. survive it. Yeah. Yeah. And then back to the salt mines. Back to the salt mines. Yeah. You've heard of that. Yeah. Back to the salt mines. Yeah. So it alludes to the Russian practice of punishing prisoners by sending them to work in the salt mines of Siberia. I told you Siberia is a prison. I've told people this. And people are like, no, it isn't. I'm like, I thought it like in American school, they say Siberia is jail. Siberia is a prison. <laughs> Maybe we should have Sonia as a guest next time. I would like that. Because I've, I would like. Friend from Siberia who's, yeah. From she's from Siberia. Siberia. Yeah. She was like, nah. And then she's like, also, like, America didn't win World War II. Russia did. It was like, what? What are you talking about? I thought America did. I think we're just fed all sorts of misinformation from every angle. Oh, yeah. Propaganda is strong on both sides. But we definitely won World War II. Yeah, I, I would think so. <laughs> I mean, Hitler's dead, right? <laughs> There's definitely a war in Ukraine. <laughs> There's definitely a war in Ukraine. <laughs> It's not a military activity. I'm just taking it with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> well, your word better be worth its weight in salt. If words can weigh something. Okay, whatever. Anyway, I think that wraps up our episode. Nice. I like salt. salt. I, we need to buy, I'm now wanting to buy all the interesting salts and taste all the salts. I. Me too. Yeah. And see if there's a difference or if it's just all marketing. Yeah. What is your kind of favorite takeaway? I do like the fact that there was that weird Filipino salt. I do like that. I, okay. think, that, I think that's super interesting. Uh, I also like that the back in like France, if you didn't purchase enough salt, <laughs> you, you were like, all right, you're going to get in trouble. And then if you didn't, it was like, well, you're, we're going to kill you. You're dead. <laughs> yeah. You get sentenced to death. Or you get sent to the galleys. Sir, please. My daughter said my... <laughs> Why are they British? Uh, I can't do a French accent. Whatever he would say in a French accent would be like, please, I can't. I'm trying to be low calorie and whatever. No sodium diet. <laughs> I feel very bloated, sir. And they're like, well, you're going to the gallows. Getting your head chopped off. Guillotine. Remember this is like guillotine? What a weird, who invented that? Yeah, well, there's like sent to the gallows and sent to the galleys. What's a gallo and a galley? A galley is the uh, the boat, the ship. Where they ship you off to? They you row the galley. You're part of the rowing team. Oh, under the galley. Oh, that's your punishment. What's a gallo? Gallows is the chop your. Head. Oh, they chop your head off. Yeah. I know back in the China they used to, you know, Shanghai. Uh huh. They used to be like a verb. Shanghai. Yeah. Like you get. Like imprisoned, you would be the rowboater. The what? The ro oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, it's the same like the galley. Oh, yeah. Where and China was also being pretty strict about the salt too. Maybe French and Chinese. Oh yeah, they all copied each other's. Like they're like they're, they're like. What you mean? People row boats and they don't even have salt. I mean, they're they like, they, they all got the idea from China, essentially taxing salt. Yeah, it makes sense to fund their wars and all that. Yeah. And then people started having jobs and then you just 
tax them <laughs> for their earnings. <laughs> mm. Just tax the gas. How do you get the job? <laughs> gas. Yeah. Anyway, I think that wraps up our episode. Thank you for listening. Hey, for listening. Try one of the drinks. The drinks are pretty good. The strawberry margarita. Try one of, try our smoky strawberry margarita. I will post a recipe on our Instagram. Please follow us at banana grabber. And if you like this podcast and you enjoy it, you would appreciate a rating in wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it is Spotify or Apple. Please give us feedback. We would love it. iTunes, MIRC download. <laughs> uh, <laughs> LimeWire. LimeWire, Morpheus, Napster. Napster, wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> wherever you get your podcast. And feel free to sign into our DMs if you have any questions or suggestions of what topic we should do next time. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Love you.